feel like maybe we should give our listeners a little update on your uh, mystery milk situation. Oh my gosh, we still don't know whose <laughs> milk it is. <laughs> it's kind of concerning, but I have not used it because I don't trust it. Yeah, but I don't. It's really know. weird. It's like the kind of milk that none of us drink anyway, because I drink two percent, mm. and my roommate drinks whole milk. And then my other roommate drinks oat milk. Don't know what that's about. But this <laughs> one's like the 1%. And it's like, no one drinks that. Yeah. I don't know whose it is. That's or so where bizarre. where it came from. Oh. Yeah, we were <laughs> texting the other day. We're like, whose milk is this? We don't know. So. Maybe you have some maybe person just like living. living I always thought house. there was a ghost in my apartment anyway. Oh. Maybe they Maybe just they enjoy just, milk. Yeah, materialize a <laughs> gallon of milk. That's it. Yep. Cracked the code. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so weird. Ugh. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our seventh episode of From the Hill, a 13-episode podcast following the Utah legislative session over the six-week period. We're your hosts. I'm Marina McTeen, Managing Editor of The Forum. And I'm Cami Mondo, Editor-in-Chief. After this week, we're officially halfway done with the legislative Woo. session. I know, it's been a long four weeks, but they're still busy as ever up at Capitol Hill. And so we're up to a total of 88 past bills, Whoa. but we're still waiting on the governor to do any action on them. A lot of these bills focus on health and education, with quite a few actually focusing specifically on teens and their mental health. We'll get more into that later, but first we'll take a look at our top stories from this week and a couple of honorable mentions. Yeah, so we have another bill from Angela Romero. Um, this one focuses on studying violence experienced by Native American women. So the bill is in response to research that was done by the U.S. Department of Justice that finds that American Indian women face a much higher murder rate, coming in at 10 times the national average. So this is definitely a bigger issue in Utah, which ranks eighth in states with the highest number of missing or murdered indigenous women cases. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Romero is sponsoring this bill that would create a task force that is focusing on studying violence against indigenous women. That research would then be compiled into a report for the Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Interim Committee. The task force would include legislators, law enforcement officials, a University of Utah researcher, a tribal representative, and a representative from a victim advocate organization and the Utah's Native American population. So it would also include a Native American who has experienced sexual or domestic violence. Romero says that addition of the Native American would be uh, crucial to influence the conversation in the task force. Man, Romero just does not stop impressing uh, me. I love her. I know. So she's much. doing great. I can't believe that we're eighth in whatever we were eighth in. Oh, states mm -hmm. with the highest number of missing or murdered indigenous women? What? Yeah, I didn't know that either. I don't know, and I'm shook that yeah. we're doing so poorly. Yeah. Well, and just in general, the amount of indigenous women that are murdered is just staggering yeah and i'm glad to s finally see something being done about it me too and i like that they include a native american woman who has experienced it on the task yeah. force because like obviously you're not going to make any change if you don't have the first-hand experience yeah so i really like that but yeah i agree yeah and hopefully this will actually create some positive change i hope so <laughs> yeah go angela Ooh. 
Right, we should come up with like a Angela Romero like chant. <laughs> oh, Angela, Angela. <laughs> Hope I meet her someday. Yeah, I feel like I talked about you quite a bit. I saw she was on the uh, Latinx panel that I covered last oh, semester. Oh, really? Yeah, I know Espanilla was there, mm-hmm. but I didn't know Romero was too. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Next, we have an update on the bill that would set a copay for insulin medication for people with diabetes. The Utah House Committee that was over the bill passed it unanimously, which caps the insulin copay at $100 a month. Now it heads over to the full Utah House for a final vote. So the sponsor of the bill, Representative Norm Thurston, said the bill is structured in a way that would help insurance companies negotiate better prices from insulin manufacturers. So copays could be as low as $30 per prescription, but some pharmacies like CVS want to get rid of insulin copays altogether. The bill will let pharmacists fill prescriptions for diabetes-related supplies that will last more than 30 days. It also gives patients the type of insulin they need at the time they need it, even if there's been a prescription error, so they don't have to wait for another refill like some have to do now. I feel like, yes, finally, this is yes. happening, uh-huh. you know? Gosh, but it definitely isn't the uh, $30 cap that was the last yeah. that was there the last time we saw it. Mm-hmm. I wonder, yeah, it's weird that it was a jump from 30 to 100 but Yeah, and for some people, that's a really big jump. That is a huge jump. Because, like, if you, yeah, if you have to pay that much every month, because maybe, yeah. like, your insurance is structured in a weird way. Because mm-hmm. insurance companies bleed you dry. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean. At least there is a cap. Yeah, know? I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. So. Maybe it's not as big of a step as people were hoping for, but it, it is something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe next year they'll keep going and actually get the $30 cap like they were going to. But yeah. Yeah. And I hope that CVS and places like that really get their voices heard. I, know. I think that's really cool. They just want to. I don't know, get rid of it. Yeah. I don't know how that would work or what it would look like, but I feel like that would be mm-hmm. so helpful. Next, we have a little bit of tension up in the legislature. For those of you that remember the general session in November of 2018, the same time as the midterm elections, one of the big issues Utah voters could decide on was Proposition 4, which basically tried to take care of the gerrymandering issue in Utah. For reference, gerrymandering is basically when the government draws certain voting boundaries in a state or area to sway the vote in one direction. So if some lawmakers know there are more Republicans in a voting district, if you draw the line in a certain way, they're more likely to do that so they can guarantee a Republican majority vote. Right. So Proposition 4, which won the majority vote of Utahns in 2018, basically said that the state was to create an independent redistricting commission that would draw the new lines. So this way, the government and lawmakers had no say, and those in the commission said it would help keep the lawmakers accountable. Even though it passed by the majority vote of Utahns, the bill is back on the table right now with some proposed amendments, basically saying they aren't going to mandate the bill as a state law. They allow this independent boundary commission group to uphold their standards, but they won't make it a state law. Yeah, it's a little weird, because what they're saying is, we know you want to make sure there isn't gerrymandering and incumbent protection, which is basically just making sure that whoever's in office stays in office. But what the government is saying is, you can't clearly define gerrymandering, and not everyone defines it the same way, so it can't be a state law. 
This has worried people who support the proposition because they're saying the government is trying to repeal the law altogether, which the sponsors, Senator Curtis Bramble, said they aren't necessarily doing, but he did say it's a possibility. Yeah, exactly. So he told reporters yesterday that they aren't repealing the bill, but if they come... If they can't come to a consensus on how to amend the bill, it could be repealed if it was suggested by a lawmaker, which gets messy, to say the least. <laughs> so, I hate this. I so also much. hate this. As someone who voted in favor yeah. of Proposition 4, it's like really weird to me that they just <laughs> that they do this. Mm-hmm. Except this is a pattern for the Utah legislature yes. of having bills and then them being... Having the majority vote and then mm-hmm. them being like, wait, we didn't actually want you to vote on this. Yeah, I saw the same thing with like Prop 2. Yeah, with Prop 2. So. Like everyone voted for Prop 2 to pass, which was the legalization of uh, medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were like, ah, oh, we changed our minds. I know. They like do this thing. They brought this up in like the press conference yesterday where they're like, we know you voted for it, but after we looked at it, there are some things that are unconstitutional, so we have to change it. But it's like, I don't God. see what's unconstitutional about you saying you can't define gerrymandering. Yeah. I, we just did. <laughs> so. Yeah, gerrymandering is not that difficult to define. It's a very <laughs> solid and strict thing. Yeah. And if you're so worried about, like, people misinterpreting it, just define it in the bill. Yeah. Uh, Oh, my gosh. When I was in my high school government class, (laughs) we did this game that was, um, is it a Rorschach inkblot? Which are, like, the inkblots to, um, the, like, therapists give you and they, like, make you interpret it or whatever. Is it, so is it an inkblot or a gerrymandered district? (laughs) so funny <laughs> yeah yeah Man. but yeah i think i personally think that gerrymandering is a really terrible thing and it really should be unconstitutional even though yeah. there's nothing about it in the constitution because it wasn't even like it's just weird it's a, a thing weird way to then. just like sweep people's votes away yeah so it's just this like it's essentially a loophole that some representatives found at some point and now is standard practice yeah Ugh, I don't like it at all. Yeah. It's terrible. And it's one of those things that, like, if they stopped gerrymandering, I fully believe that Utah would vote Democratic a lot more often. I feel like they could. Mm-hmm. I feel like those votes are not taken seriously. Yeah. I've also heard that if you take away gerrymandering in the South, the South is incredibly progressive and liberal. Really? Yeah. That is fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Jeez. Gerrymandering just needs to stop yeah. existing. So. It's terrible. Well, all right, time for our honorable mentions from the end of this week. Yes, so first we have a bill that addresses the popular scooters you see going across town all the time. (laughs) Basically, in a nutshell, it says that users can't sue if they're injured while riding the scooters. Okay, Um, (laughs) it sounds kind of bad, but the sponsor of the bill, Representative Brady Brammer, said that he actually wants to help the scooter industry. He says that he regularly uses them. Yeah, rather than trying to, like, scare people away from using the scooters, this is basically helping local governments and schools not face lawsuits if someone gets injured on their property. So it would place using the scooter under a recreational activity on public land. 
Bronner says this can help the scooter companies because when then local officials won't want to ban the scooters. The bill lays out potential dangers of using the scooters, which is typically of a recreational activity bill. It's different from skiing at a resort because a resort is private land rather than public. So the bill won't regulate where it can or can't go. Those rules are still up to the local governments. I mean, I kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It's kind of funny. Yeah. In a way that, like, (laughs) it sounds so bad. Yeah. Like, he's trying to Mm -hmm. get rid of them all, but... I I do remember when the scooters were introduced in Salt Lake... Yeah. That um, scooter-related injuries <laughs> went up in emergency rooms by, like, 130%. Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, like, part of that's just math. Like, there weren't scooters before, so obviously those yeah. injuries are going to go up. But, but it's almost shocking still. how many people do get hurt. And yeah. they're, like, banned on campus. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Maybe. I'm just thinking, maybe if this was passed, they wouldn't be banned at Westminster anymore because then Westminster wouldn't be responsible for people getting hurt. Yeah. I don't know because we're a private school. We can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. maybe. Yeah. And I get it like on private land and things like that mm-hmm. where like because it's if you crash on a scooter it's kind of your fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean there are instances where um, scooter like crashing on a scooter like isn't your fault. And the majority of the time like I see people just doing them on sidewalks, which I think is technically, like, public land. I guess so. And I think there's, like, um, either a rule or a law that you can't ride them on the sidewalks. Yeah. You're technically not supposed to, (laughs) but everyone does. I know. (laughs) But, But. yeah. But, like, I know we know someone who there was, like, a piece of the sidewalk, like, missing, and they hadn't put cones there. And he was riding on a scooter with someone else, and they crashed into it, and it was really bad. Yeah, his face looked so awful. Yeah. Ooh. But, yeah. But, yeah. So, like, I don't know how to feel about this. I feel decently neutral about it. I feel, yeah, neutral, too. It's like, people should know what they're getting into, Mm -hmm. obviously. But maybe, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) All right, next we have a shout-out to Westminster College in one of the bills coming out this week. Under this bill, students at private and nonprofit schools, which is what Westminster is, could keep using the money given through the state-funded Regent Scholarship. And this bill would also extend to students at BYU, LDS Business College, and Western Governors University to dip into the funds as well. This is a kind of bigger deal than it sounds for Westminster. Basically, what a Regents scholarship does is that it covers those last few dollars to cover tuition and fees. But the thing is, under current law, the Regents scholarship is exclusively given to public schools and universities. But this bill would let students continue using these funds. So the bill also prevents schools from giving out more money and Regents scholarships than others. So that way it's an even playing field and students can choose where they actually want to go. But the awards would be limited to the average cost of school in the state of Utah, which could pose a problem for Westminster because it does cost more than all of the other schools here. So I'm a little confused because when did it become a thing that private schools couldn't use regents? Because I I used regents. I don't know. Because when I was researching, they're like, yeah, it's only for state schools. And I was like, I did not know that. But apparently, I wonder if someone proposed it in the same session 
where you can't, and this one's going against that. Yeah. Don't know. But that'd be because I rude yeah. to not let people use the money that's given to them. Yeah. Because like I definitely used <laughs> Regents <laughs> for my first two years of college here at Westminster. I know. I don't know. And it is yeah. weird also that they limit it because Westminster is expensive. Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing the average cost of schools here, <laughs> it doesn't help as much. No. <laughs> so did they do... How much did you get? If you don't mind. Um, I got the I got the top tier, which was like fifteen hundred a semester. Did it? Yeah, I could see that would be like huge. At like I don't know Southern Utah yeah. University, but yeah, then here it's like a tiny chip away. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I don't know. They need to get their yeah. act together. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Uh, okay, enough of the honorable mentions. It's time for our main story. So today we're focusing on mental health. First up, we have an initiative that wants to increase the number of mental health crisis centers we have in the state. These would be 24-hour facilities where people experiencing mental health episodes can go when they need emergency care instead of being sent to a hospital or even possibly jail. These centers would be built along the Wasatch Front and it would cost a whopping $21 million to fund it. And if you don't live close by, the center will also provide these mental health ambulances that would go out into the rural areas to transport you here. That way they can reach out to people in their homes or even on the streets rather than having people wait for the police to intervene. So the bill passed its committee hearing with a unanimous vote and is now off to the House for a vote. I think that this is great. I like this too. Yeah, because so often, like, when... If someone with, like, a mental health issue is having, I don't know if episode is the right word, mm-hmm. but, like, an episode, then, and people around them don't know how to deal with it, then they just call the cops. Yeah. Which is a really terrible thing to do, because cops aren't trained to deal with that either. Yeah. I the majority of the time. And it gets them stuck in that whole cycle. Because, mm-hmm. like, when, if you go in for that, and, like, I don't know, you have to spend the night in jail because you were having yeah like a problem then all of a sudden it's like i don't know when you get back out it's like hard you don't know what to mm-hmm. deal with anything so yeah. i like this a lot yeah me too and just calling the cops doesn't actually help anybody in the situation mm-hmm. you know it's distressing for the person who's already in distress yeah and it's distressing for the family members who don't know what's happening to their family member and it's just, it's all around not a good deal. Yeah, so we do need more yes. of these, and I'm glad that they're, like, planning for that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And that they, like, have a plan to, like, reach out to rural areas, too. Yeah, so, like, really they can actually cool. get there. Yeah. So, that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all right, we also have a bill that passed the House that would allow for 30 more mental health treatment beds at the Utah State Hospital. This is another expensive bill looking for almost $4 million to fund it. Yeah, it has the political support, but the money is causing concern on the whole logistics aspect. Um, Not only would it go toward providing beds, but it would also require the Utah Substance Use and Mental Health Advisory Council to study the effects of having these beds and then make recommendations to the legislature for future action. 
The sponsor, Steve Eliason, said he wants to pass this bill to free up some of the beds in the jails and get people the mental health help they need. The money would also go toward creating outreach teams that would treat people going through mental health crises on the streets or in their homes. Basically, all as a way to avoid putting people through the criminal justice system. So the bill passed the House, and it's on its way to the Senate, but the only thing concerning lawmakers is how they're going to pay for something like this, especially with struggles trying to find ways to like budget other things. I, this is the only bill that we've like talked about where like money has been an issue, I feel like. Yeah, and this one is less expensive than the other one. Yeah, right? And so, but that's I, interesting. Yeah. And it would also do good, I think. You know, yeah. like, the whole point is to try and keep these people out of the criminal justice system where they do not belong. Yeah. And, but they're like, oh, but the money, you know? Yeah, it's, like, really weird, because we were just talking about this, about, like, keeping them out of jail, because that's, mm-hmm. like, a terrible system to put them through, and it, like, messes everything up. And I don't know why, like, the money is what's standing in the way, maybe because it's in a hospital, and maybe these people wouldn't be able to pay yeah. I don't know. If that's a reason why, then that's kind of silly, but... Yeah. Well, and it just... It sort of makes me feel like nobody in the legislature wants to... This is not what they want to spend their money on. Yeah. Which is really terrible. It is terrible. I just... We obviously need it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why... I don't know. It's weird what they put their priorities as. Yeah. It is really weird, and I hope that... I mean... It did. It looks like it is going to uh, pass, but I I don't know. I feel like they just need to get their shit together about what really needs to happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, finally, we're looking at a bill that specifically looks at how mental health may be affecting schools and dangerous acts within them. This bill basically creates a new crime, threats against schools. The bill says these threats can be real or fake, but it would be treated as a crime all the same. So if it's a kid that's making the threat, the crime is reduced and it requires that the teenager goes through a mental health screening. So that counseling can come through either state or local health department programs. The bill does say that the kid can't use the fact that either they couldn't carry out the crime or that they didn't even try as a defense. They will still be charged. I, the one aspect that I kind of like about this is that they would put them through a mental health screening to see if that's the reason behind it instead Mm -hmm. of just saying, oh, another kid is... Suspend this kid. Yeah. 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 I agree with that, that the mental health screening... uh, should be beneficial um i guess depending on how they treat the kid going through that screening though yeah and what they do afterwards yeah (laughs) like but yeah because like in my experience schools don't know how to handle kids with mental health issues never um they'll have like one counselor on like the campus of the school or whatever and like that's it Mm -hmm. so it's yeah yeah and like i can see where this bill is coming from but I mean, like, do you know how many kids I knew who, like, quote-unquote made threats against the school while I was in school? When I was a senior in high school, I think I was a senior. Maybe I was a junior. I was a junior. No, but, like, when I was a junior in high school, someone made a bomb threat to my school. Mm. And so, like, our school was, like, on the news. It was pretty cool. Mm. (laughs) But, like, it was weird because, like, nobody really did anything about it except say, 
yes, we recognize there's a bomb threat, but we're still having school. Oh, my God. And, yeah. So, <laughs> like, I went to school the next day on the day of the bomb yeah. threat because my mom was like, mm, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Then you better hope so. Yeah. But yeah, it was weird. Yeah. I think at my high school, um, I think it was before I got there, but there was there was also a preschool that functioned out of my high school. And um, on the fence of the preschool, some kid, like, hung a backpack on the fence and then went and called it in as a bomb threat. Oh, boy. Um, and then, but the whole point was he was the one that hung the backpack. And then he went and told the administration that there was some random backpack <laughs> hanging on the fence um so that he could be the hero and impress a girl that he liked <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> of course yeah what uh, how does that impress somebody mm-hmm. mm, ooh, uh, ooh, okay yeah yeah it's i feel like this could get a lot of kids in trouble that don't need to be in trouble but like <laughs> also i don't know like Adding this like safety measure to schools, I think, would be beneficial, um, especially with the, the absurd amount of school shootings that happen in this country. Uh, yeah, I agree. Cause people will make these threats. I feel like more often now, cause it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, fun for some people to see people freak out, but like, <laughs> it's not fun. So no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> maybe let's not do that. Yeah, like I can see the benefits and I can see the downsides to this bill. Um, like, I don't know, like, when I was in middle school, there was some kid that, like, got angry at a teacher and said that he was going to go and get his gang. He was not a part of a gang. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, I don't know, it's just, like, stuff like that, like, that, yeah, I feel like this could just, I don't know, like, having it be, like, an actual, like, crime that goes on their record. I mean, you do have the opportunity to like seal your record once you turn 18 but like has the potential to derail a kid's life but at the same time is acknowledging that they're that this is another safety measure added onto schools which is needed yeah that's a good point Mm -hmm. all right well that's it for this episode so make sure to come back for our next episode where we're going to be talking about some more healthcare related things but not surrounding mental health um, healthcare is one of the biggest issues that's been brought up in this session, and mm-hmm. so we're going to tackle some of the highlights. We'll also be checking back in on the highlights from the rest of this week. As always, make sure to check out more of the forum's content on our website, WC Forum Media, and follow our social media accounts at WC Forum Media to get the latest updates on our stories. Make sure to vote, and yeah. we'll see you next time. Vote, 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 vote